What's going on everyone? My name is Cameron Harn and welcome to the Principles of Fitness podcast where we acknowledge some of the hidden authorities in the fitness industry. On today's episode, we welcome back fitness legend Mike Pincus. Mike is going to talk to us about the five steps of fitness coined by one of his earlier mentors, Neil Spruce. We also talk about the importance of being a compassionate person in the fitness industry and whether that is something that can be taught or it's just something that you're born with. So please welcome back to the show my guest, Mike Pincus. Alright everybody, so welcome to the Principles of Fitness podcast. This is round two with fitness legend Mike Pincus. Mike, you want to say a little something before we get started? Uh, good morning. Uh, excited to be here for round two. I have no idea what you're going to ask me, but I'm uh, anticipating some greatness coming from you. Excellent. There's always going to be greatness. Some good knowledge bombs dropped here. I love where we left off last and I want to kind of follow up with this. Is there a role model in your life or in your career in the fitness industry that you try to avoid becoming like? Well, I think what sets me apart from the way I conduct my business as a personal fitness trainer than a few others that I'm familiar with that are uh, also very successful is... And we touched very little bit on this round one, and that is I don't feel that I can give all of my knowledge to get somebody into, quote, better shape, uh, whatever that means for them, in 20 sessions or in a set given number of weeks. Uh, there are uh, people in the fitness industry that that is exactly how they conduct their business, and what they want to do is they will charge a lot of money up front for 20 sessions. And the way they sell that is I'm going to give you everything you need to know, put everything in your toolbox, and teach you how to pull out the right tools for the right job. And I'm going to do it in 20 sessions. I'm not going to take a year like most trainers and therefore what you spend with me may seem a lot up front but in fact it's going to be uh, much less than you would with a with any other trainer and from my personal approach that may work for them but from my personal approach that doesn't work mainly because we are constantly learning how the body works how it adapts our client today is very different than our clients of 20 years ago. Um, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, the exercise we were giving them in a one-hour session was augmenting their daily activity. Their daily activity have consisted of working an eight-hour shift uh, and then going home and cutting the lawn, washing the car, cleaning the windows, doing the laundry, possibly even chopping down wood for, you know, to build a fire. They were playing tennis, they were golfing, they were uh, on softball leagues. There were so many different things going on. Today's fitness trainer, our, se our one-hour session sessions is, in fact, their, their daily movement. Uh, it is not augmenting anything in terms of what they're already bringing to the table. Uh, as you know, as a successful trainer yourself, when we ask them, 
if they're with us two to three times a week and we ask them to do some cardio sessions on their own two or three times a week, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't even come up in their mindset. So to set myself apart from that style of training, I, I constantly have to re-educate myself, uh, constantly going to different certifications, reading different books, different papers that have been written, sourcing where the papers are coming from, literally spending time on YouTube and going deep into YouTube and seeing who's doing what, what's happening. And again, the human body itself hasn't changed, but our understanding of it has drastically changed over the years. So to charge a client for 20 sessions up front and say, this is all you're going to need, and then quite possibly hand them off to one of my, let's call them one of my disciples, uh, is a better word, and they're going to be doing maintenance with them. To me, that's not what I wanted to aspire to. So I definitely steer clear of that type of trainer that's out there. Okay. And, um, I mean, you're never, nobody's ever really maintaining, right? I know that there's like, there's always that, uh, term the maintenance phase how are you keeping people on the program how are you keeping people engaged i've tried many different things over the years and it's quite interesting in that through one of my certifications i learned the proper technique if you will of body fat testing and i purchased a skindex body fat caliper considered one of the gold standard calipers if you will uh, in the industry and did the training with it and I'm like I'm thinking this is the greatest tool this is going to be perfect I'm going to I'm going to use this to monitor my clients and I'm going to use this to gauge their success or possibly their failures but hopefully their success and they are going to love this and so I created my uh, spreadsheets for body fat testing Uh, I purchased a new camera Uh, to do before and after pictures. I purchased a high-end, if you will, a tape measure specifically for uh, measurements. And I started with my one of my first long-standing clients. And I said, okay, we are now going to do before and after pictures. We are going to do measurements and we're going to do body fat testing. And she kind of looked at me and said, why? And I said, well, because it's going to give us a good gauge to know where we came from, where we're going. And along the way, we're going to be able to tweak this and work this and massage this um, information. And I wasn't doing it to try to keep the client, but I was doing it trying to motivate the client to seeing better and better results. And the one mistake that I made in that whole process is I never asked the client, is that your goal? Is your goal to be a lower percentage body fat? Is your goal to have less measurements or or your your measurements be uh, smaller, be a smaller dress size, a smaller suit size? Uh, Is your goal uh, have anything to do with vanity? I assumed it was. And lo and behold, I went through, of my uh, clients at the time, I, I believe I tested eight of them. And it was around the eighth person finally saying, I'm not interested in any of this. This is all for you. I could care less before and after pictures. I know what I used to look like. I know what I look like now. I know what I'd like to look like. But if it was really that important to me, that really dedicated, 
I would <clears throat> probably quit my job and be doing this working out stuff as often as you do. But that's not the reality. The reality is I want to move better. I don't want to hurt. Um, I want to function uh, like a human being. Body fat testing, measurements, my weight, scale weight, pictures, doesn't mean anything to me. They kind of turned it on me and they said, you know, the funny thing is you're the one that taught us this. So here I was thinking along the lines of how can I maintain this long-standing relationship with a client and I wasn't listening to their own advice and that was talking to them as a human being, engaging with them. And stuff that you and I discussed uh, in, in the past months of us being together is finding out what makes them tick. Finding out why do they get up in the morning? What do they think throughout the day? How do we engage with that process? What are they into? And you become a chameleon. You know, back in the day, I was training 11 clients a day. And I went from my youngest age client at the time was 10 years old. And the very next client that I had to train uh, uh, in the next hour was 81. So you talk about complete different conversations of what do you talk to a 10-year-old about to engage him enough to keep him motivated for the hour and throwing exercise at him. And then your next hour is an 81-year-old. And now we're talking about not the future, we're talking about the past of what his life was like and how do you make that inspiring and fun and educational for myself and reliving good stuff for him again while throwing exercise in. So I think it's extremely important for today's trainer to make sure that they are engaging the client in figuring out what the client is, you know, that quote, air quotes here is what, what the client's into, what makes them want to get up in the morning whether it's family, whether it's money, whether it's politics, whether it's religion, sports, history, it could be anything. You got to figure that out, get them moving along those lines, and all the while you're throwing exercises at them, keeping their mind off of why they're really there. I know that for myself when I go to a different certification course, I get a little too excited and I kind of impose my excitement onto my clients like, you've got to try this out, it's so amazing. And uh, they're like, yeah, no, I'm not vibing it. So it's meeting the client's expectations and it's not meeting your own. Correct. And that was a, a very tough lesson that I learned. Uh, fortunately, it was not, it didn't come at a cost to me, but it was a humbling lesson and I, in particular, had this one husband-wife that I used to train, and she worked hard. She just, every workout, she gave it 110%, and he was the complete opposite. And yet he would sit and boast about how hard his workouts were. He would tell all of his friends how hard he's working out. And I'm just sitting here thinking, this guy is not even, he's not even scratching the surface of his true capabilities. If the workout got too hard, We'd be in the garage working out at his house. And if the workout got too hard, he literally would stop and grab a broom and start sweeping the garage because he, that was his way of slowing things down. Yeah. I finally called him on it. I want to do the body fat testing and I want to do all these things because I saw greater potential. He didn't say a word to me. He, he just sat there and took it, but he did say something to his wife. 
And his wife had called me and she said, your expectations are not his expectations. He is just happy to spend time with you for the hour. He loves your entertainment. He loves your enthusiasm. He lives vicariously through you. You don't even see that. And you throw him some exercises and that's keeping him healthy. How dare you body fat test him when he never asked for it? How dare you take pictures of him of before and afters when he never asked you for it? You are thinking that that's what he wants. That's what you want. And man, that was, that's the one that finally hit it for me and said, okay, I'm done. From that moment on, uh, trainers asked me, what kind of assessments do I do? Uh, I do not do body fat testing. I do not do measurements. I do not take pictures. They come in, we meet, we're, we're human beings. Tell me what you want. They have plenty of pictures on their iPhones that show what they don't want to look like. I don't need to take another picture and show them. They need to see success. They don't need to see failures. So uh, do I need to do actual body fat measurement? If they're going to compete in a bodybuilding show, yes. We need to get as lean as possible. We need to know what we're dealing with. But if they tell me, look, I'd like to lose a little bit of weight. I've got my daughter's wedding coming up. Why do they need to know body fat? They don't need to know it. It's none of their business. It's my business. But I can judge it based on looking at them. So it was a humbling lesson. What was the conversation like inside your head when she approached you like that? She called me on the phone. Uh, I remember exactly where I was. She called and said, I have a sensitive subject that I need to talk to you about. And my, uh, the, the funny thing, the common thread I would say in myself for the last 30 years is a low self-esteem when it comes to my business. In that, when I get that phone call, I, my first reaction is they're quitting. It's always first reaction. <laughs> and Lisa, my wife, just, why? After 30 years, why do you keep thinking that? I still, to this day, if a client calls and says, hey, there's something I want to talk to you about, first thought is they're done. And I can't even tell you if that's happened three times in the last 30 years. Wow. I, I'd be shocked if it's three. So when she called and said, you know, the sensitive subject I need to talk to you about, Immediately, They're both quitting. I'm done. I'm losing my business. Oh, what am I going to do now uh, for work? And I said, okay. And I, I sat and listened. And she just spilled everything on me. Uh, my first reaction was defensive mechanism. Uh, it's very natural. And say, well, that's not what I intended. And, you know, he misunderstood what I was after. And she shut me down right away. And it was probably the perfect couple for it to have happened to. Uh, he was... Uh, a very successful lawyer, very good at debating, very good at putting you in your place. That's what he does for a living uh, in the courtroom. And she was a geriatric nurse, very compassionate person. I never asked the question, but if I had to ask, I think the answer, would, uh, my question would be, why didn't he come to me and say this? And I think the answer would have been, he wouldn't have known where to stop the onslaught of ripping me a new one. I think it would have just unleashed. So it was easier for him to go to her, soften the blow. She's dealing with geriatric patients. It's a sensitive subject. They were not looking to quit by any means. They were loving the workouts, but they wanted me to understand that my expectations were very different than their expectations. And she never said the words to him, I want you to lose more body fat. I want you to look a certain way. 
All she said is, I want you to be healthy. And he said the same thing for her. And I came in with my expectations of what they should have been. And that was very wrong of me. So yeah, it was a um, an eye-opening experience, but it was definitely that feeling of, what have I done? And with that, I remember going to a few of my other clients who agreed to all this testing. And I said, one in particular, I remember, I said, does this interest you? She said, no, not at all. I'm going along with it because it's what you want. If you've, you know, if you realize I've never asked what are my numbers, I, when you do the body fat, you never tell me. I never ask because I don't care. So it must mean something to you. And I said, well, that's what's kind of funny is I'm doing it for you. Said, Doesn't matter to me. And that's somebody that's trained with me for 25 years. So, yeah, it was uh, changed the way I thought. That's for sure. Are you still training them today? Uh, the husband and wife, I'm not. They moved out of the area. So I no longer train them, but I do know that they are still actively exercising, which is great. That's all I ever want to uh, want for my clients is if if they no longer train with me or if they move out of the area, for whatever reason, we're no longer together. I always want to stay in touch that they are still moving. That's the big key. That's great. Yeah. How long did you train them for? I trained that couple probably, if I had to guess, probably six years, five or six years. They were with me. Yeah. That was, we started uh, back in 94, so probably up until 99, 2000, somewhere in there. Gotcha. Yeah, it seems like you have clients that you train for a long time. I mean, even in the last episode, you said that you look at that client and you think, I'm not going to train them for 20 sessions this many sessions. I'm going to train them for a lifetime. And you also mentioned that the essentially the secret to becoming successful in the fitness industry is being passionate and compassionate. Where did you learn how to be so compassionate with your clients? Oh, good question. My, my father is, my father was in uh, retail uh, for most of my life growing up as a kid. In retail, he, he, you definitely had to have that, um, in particular, he was in women's shoe, um, shoe department. Um, that's where he's specialized in. And that came from my grandfather. Uh, my godfather was also in the shoe business. And so retail was definitely a part of our life growing up. And I think indirectly, that must be where it's genetically comes from, is that um, my godfather, my grandfather, my father all worked with people all three of them I would have to say are people people person right wording there um, I remember uh, I would I would go to work with my dad um, as we all did as, as kids growing up and I would spend time in the in the back and we'd be organized my brother and I would organize the shelves with all the shoes and everything and so I must have gotten some insight of him re, uh, interacting with the customers kind of dive a little deeper into exactly the department he's in with women's shoes and the thing I always remember him hearing is women would come in and say that they were at least a size smaller um, they're a true seven and they'd say they're a six because they did not want to appear to have large feet for whatever reason and he would somehow have to subtly tell them 
Um, and, and, and sometimes he'd make up stories and say, well, I'm, I'm going to put you in a seven, but I understand this is really a six. It's just that this manufacturer, the way they design them, and he would make up the story. It would be completely a lie, but it's a white lie and it's for a good purpose. Um, the shoe is going to fit properly. It's not going to hurt. They're not going to have any side effects from it. And it's the wrong size, but the reality is, and it's kind of funny, I do remember him saying this, is nobody looks down at your foot and says, what size shoe do you wear? They just look if it's a nice shoe or not, and if it fits right. If your toes are crammed in there, they know it doesn't fit right. Jump forward into the fitness industry, one of the other reasons I don't do body fat testing and measurements is when a person, when I walk into a person's home and I meet them for the first time, I don't ask them, hi, what is your name and what is your body fat level? I, I don't ask them their measurements. I don't ask for, do you have a before picture? Because this is the current picture. I'd like to know what you were before. I don't ask for any of those. Meaning in society, when we go into a business environment or when we go into meet somebody, if we're meeting somebody at a coffee shop or if we're young and single and we're going to a bar to meet somebody, what is standing in front of you is your first impression. It doesn't matter what their body fat percentage is. doesn't matter what their measurements are. It uh, doesn't matter what they used to look like 10 years ago. It's what's there now. So I would have to say that compassion being ingrained uh, from my dad, my grandfather, my godfather. My grandfather I was very, very close with. He too had a, um, a shoe store and his were uh, kids. He always um, only sold to, to kids. His was a whole different level of patience and compassion. Patience for the kid that's in there. Compassion for the mother or father that is in there with three screaming kids. And he found a way to combat it in the middle of his shoe store. He had a blow-up trampoline. So the kids would come in and they would immediately jump on the trampoline. And that would just kind of work everything out. Let them go. Just let them jump. Let them jump. Mom and dad are here to buy shoes and get in and get out. He says, no, nope, that's not how it's going to happen here. The kid's going to come in. They're going to jump. They're going to get all this energy off, burn it off, whatever. You and I are going to discuss what kind of shoes you're after. What do you want them to, you know, is it a tennis shoe? Is it a you know, shoot a, for the weekends, what, what is it that they're after? Once they're done jumping, we're now going to sit them down and let them, you know, try on a couple of shoes, get back playing. That's what worked for him. He says, why fight the system? It's, you're, you're not going to win. So I would have to say that compassion, again, comes ingrained from the men in my family, ingrained from there. Okay. Can you teach somebody how to be compassionate like can you teach somebody who wants to grow their business how to be better people people mm -hmm. I don't know that's a it's a, again a great question I don't know if that is something that you can teach or if that is just genetic um, environmental um, maybe not genetic but environmental in, in how you were raised I would imagine there's some experts out there that could prove otherwise I'm not sure my first gut reaction is no you cannot teach that at an older age could I mentor somebody that is a teenage and in the formative years uh, maybe even earlier and start teaching them what it means to be a compassionate person and boy 
this world would be a lot, e uh, lot more comfortable to be in right now if, if that was the common thread. If that were, if we had the opportunity to get to people, you know, from 12 to 16 years old and start to work with them and mentor them on life of being a compassionate person, would that later down the road help us in the fitness industry? Absolutely. No question. Whether they got into fitness or into some other industry, there's no question. But I don't think... I, I don't feel that you can take a a person that has been working out for five years, they're 25 years old, they've been working out for five years, they're stuck at a desk job that they cannot stand, and they go to the gym five nights a week, and they are getting good results from themselves, and they decide, I want to be in the fitness industry, and I'm going to be a successful fitness trainer, and they don't have that people person in them. They don't have that empathy. They don't have the compassion. They're passionate about exercise and they're passionate about looking good and feeling good. That's no question. But they just don't care um, uh, about the person that they're going to be talking to. It's not their, it's not their DNA, if you will. I don't know if that can be taught. Uh, I, I would love to think it could be. And I'd love to think that there are some courses out there that can open somebody's up, mind up to it. We've said along in the, one of my mentors in the fitness industry used to, or still teaches, the five steps of fitness. And we always said that the sixth step was the mind. And it really should be the first step. And that is if they're not mentally prepared to do what is going to be asked of them, the job's not going to get done. And that's on the client side. On the trainer side, if you're not thinking along the correct lines of how you're going to connect with a, another human being, you're going to be really battling and getting results from your clients, whatever the results may be, even just getting them to show up. So that, that would be a, it'd be a tough call. Have you encountered anybody in your mentorship program that isn't compassionate? And what do you do with them from there? Uh, yes, early on. Uh, I would say, oddly enough, the majority of my trainers that went through my mentorship program early on, uh, as an educator, I missed that key component. Because I taught them everything that they needed to know. I sent them to the correct certification for them. It's not necessarily the one I took, but it's what their goals were in the fitness industry. I guided them to the correct books to read. I guided them to talk to this person, this person, this person. I did everything that I did with you. Everything that I've done with the last three or four. But the one thing I made the mistake on is I did not ask that one question. And now I have um, certain ways. It's not, some, it's not a question you could just flat ask. Are you a compassionate person? Of course I am. Yes. It's not about, it's about seeing how they interact. It's about seeing how they live their life. It's about seeing how they respond to others um, in situations in their current work of how they're handling it. I'm going to say of those that I can remember off the top of my head, let's call it eight of them that went through the program. And I'm going to say, and of those eight, they did not have, they were not compassionate people. And I'm going to say maybe three of them stuck it out and, and figured out a way around it. 
or maybe they became more compassionate and, and realized, wow, this is very different than what I thought it was going to be. The other five are no longer in the industry um, at all, and I'm not exactly sure what they're doing. I <clears throat> have a very good friend of mine. He's actually an American icon, as I like to call him. You know, he will tell you differently, but he has more knowledge. There's another one of these, and I've said it before. He's more knowledge than I'll ever have. He's forgotten more than I'll ever know. He knows everything about the human body. He knows everything about the chemical of how the body reacts to different products. He, I mean, he just, he's my guru. He's my go-to. And, and I, I could text him or call him on the most random supplementation, and he's got it. <clears throat> He'll tell me exactly. And he was a personal trainer. He was terrible. Absolutely. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I thought he was a great trainer. He thought he was terrible. Mm -hmm. And the reason was, and we joke about it to, to this day because we're, we're very close friends, and he says, I cannot believe you're still in this thing. And I said, I can't believe you're not. Uh, he's one of the most beautiful physiques I've ever seen. He could walk into a gym and pick up clients left and right just on his physique alone. And his whole thing was is that nobody works hard enough. Like, I said, excuse me? He says, they're lazy. They don't do what you tell them to do. They do half of, not even half. I'd be happy with half. They don't do anything I tell them to do. I tell them to eat this, this, and this. They don't do it. I tell them to cardio, you know, cardio sessions, this, this, and this, at this intensity. They don't do it. We're working out. They, they have to tell me some story about their kid. Like, I really care. And I just sat there and I said, you've got to be kidding me. Because he's a very people person. He's, he's a big teddy bear. Yeah, he's great. I mean, you can sit and talk to him for hours. He's, he's wonderful. And he's not, he's not going to talk about himself. He's going to ask you about you. So he, he's not stuck in himself by any means. He just does not have the compassionate gene when it comes to exercise, mainly because when he hits the gym, it's 110%, all in. And if it's not, he'll leave the gym. He won't even fake it. And his clients had to do the same thing. And he didn't understand. And I would tell him, I said, you can't do this. This is not what they're after. Well, you know, they, they have to follow protocol. I said, well, this is not going to work. And sure enough, he got out of, the, out of personal training. He's still in the fitness industry. I tell him all the time, I said, you would be one of the most successful personal trainers charging God amount of money for doing what you do and would get results. I said, but you got to tone it down a bit. Takes drill sergeants to the next level. So there are people that are very, very knowledgeable, and there are many trainers out there that have way more knowledge than I do. Are they successful? I would say they're a successful person. In their eyes, are they successful at in the fitness industry as a personal trainer? They would define it, no, they're not. Are they able to make a full-time living off of it? No, they're not. They have to supplement it some other way, um, with, whether it be within the fitness industry or outside, uh, working somewhere else. They are not able to make a full-time career at it. And that is probably the missing link uh, because they definitely have the knowledge. They understand the body. They understand nutrition. They understand recovery. They understand all of it, um, and many times more than me. It's another case of imposing their expectations onto the client. Absolutely. Not having the client meet what they expect of them. What's he doing now? He is a product developer uh, for a fitness line. Basically what they do is if a company comes out with a bar or a powder 
or any kind of supplement, uh, he tries to be one or two steps ahead of the competition. He is great at developing great tasting, high nutritious bars, cookies, powders, whatever it may be. He's very successful at it. So you mentioned the five steps of fitness. Mm -hmm. Could you touch a little bit on that? Sure. Uh, Going to my memory banks here. This came from one of my mentors, Neil Spruce. Uh, Neil Spruce was the creator, if I remember correctly, going way back, he was the creator, co-creator of Gold's Gym Nutritionalysis. He then created Apex Fitness, sold that, and then created and currently with DotFit, which is his company. And Neil came about to NASM, National Academy of Sports Medicine, around 95 and revamped the whole nutrition program uh, that was being taught at NASM. Prior to 95, every year we had a new nutritionist coming in teaching their way. It's this way, it's this way. You got to get your clients doing this. And every year it was different. And I'm not exactly sure how it came about, but Neil came into the fold and changed everything and and changed the way we looked at things. And it it was very, very cool and very refreshing. He taught the five components or five steps of health and fitness. And step one was nutrition, getting your proper nutrition down pat, whether it's today, whether you're paleo, whether you're vegan, um, it didn't matter. Bottom line, you had to have the nutrition down. You, 95% of your results are what you put in your body. That was step one. Step two was, if I'm going in order, if I remember correctly here, step two was your cardiovascular system creating a deficit. So you got the calories coming in from step one. We're now going to create a deficit in step two. We're going to burn off more calories than you consume with the goal here is body fat loss, which 95% of the population, that's what they're after. They just don't know it. Uh, Step three is because there is a deficit of nutrients, of calories, there's also a deficit of nutrients. So step three was proper supplementation. So we're going to make sure that there is uh, the correct amount of supplementation going into the body with the least amount of calories to give you all of the ability and energy to be able to do step four, which was the strength training, which is where you're going to build the muscle, more muscle in the body burns, more body fat. And step five was monitoring all four steps and constantly putting them together. And my, is my nutrition correct? It was, we'd always go back with our clients and say, okay, you're telling me you're not at your goal yet. Um, if you had a specific goal, you're not at your goal yet. Or let's start at step one nutrition. Are you truly eating what you say you're eating? Well, I'm fudging. Okay, there's no reason to go beyond because we got to get step one down. Yes, I, 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 okay, I got you. Step one is perfect. I'm dialed in. I know exactly what I'm eating. Now we can go right to step two. Are you doing your cardio? With me, you're doing your strength training three days a week, but are you doing your cardio when I ask you to do it outside of our training sessions? Well, I'm, instead of doing three days a week, I'm doing one and one to one and a half sessions. Okay, so we know that. So we, it gave us a, a, a direct line instead of just saying, I don't know why you're not at your goal. Or if they got to the goal, I don't know why they got to the goal. Neil put it together in a format that was very easy for us trainers to say, this is exactly why they got or why they did not get to their goal. It was brilliant. And that that's where that sixth step came into play. And Neil would joke about whether it was really step one or step six, and that is the mind. Um, the mind has to be ready to make a change. And, and it's not saying it's going to be a drastic lifestyle change. 
it's saying that we are going to take the client and bring them into our world um, a little bit, a little bit each week. Uh, we're not going to break them out of all of their bad habits. It's just not going to happen. But if we can get, bring a, a little bit of our world into their world and kind of combine them, we'll be, we and they will be successful. So that's where it came from. Gotcha. Who in the fitness industry would you recommend that people kind of start to follow? Who are like some of like the big names in the industry that you would recommend, like that you even like look mm -hmm. up to right now? Absolutely. I've got a list, I, I, and, and, and uh, these are off the top of my head, and they're all different in within the industry. They're all on the service side of it, um, but some are a one-on-one -on -one trainer. Some will do group exercise, um, but they're all in th on, on what I call on my side of doing things. In other words, they're not a gym owner necessarily. Rattling off some names, Gunnar Peterson. Gunnar is, I, I've had the opportunity to get to know him on a friendly level, you know, it, it's, uh, his presence is, is pretty cool. It, it, there's a lot of energy. You walk into his gym and you just feel the buzz in the air. He does things very different from the industry. There's been times that in the industry that there have been some great success trainers out there that said one-on-one -on -one training is dead and a group, small group is where it's at. I've known of Gunner to raise his hand and say, not so much. And they look at him and say, well, there's the exception. <laughs> and, you know, okay, this is an exception, but I'm an exception as well. You're an exception. Uh, I know uh, many trainers that are doing fine with one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, so Gunner is one. Uh, Juan Carlos Santana out of Boca Raton, Florida, is one of my mentors. I uh, had the opportunity to have lunch with him one day. Mind-blowing experience. I was at a certification course, he was teaching at it, and we go to lunch, we're sitting there, and he said, so what's your story? And those were his words to me, I said, excuse me, and he said, what's your story, what's your deal? Well, tell me about you. Again, that engaging. Uh, he, he didn't say, hey, ask me, what do you want to know? It was just, what's your thing? And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm just a fitness trainer, you know, small town. He says, no, don't say just a fitness trainer, take out the just, I'm a fitness trainer. Okay, go on from there. And I said, well, you know, I'm so excited to be able to use, you know, transform my training into the way you train and everything I'm learning here. It's kind of what you were talking about a little bit ago. And he said, no, 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 that's not what this is about. This is about you gaining more knowledge and, and tweaking your program. You need to have your own program. Don't be doing my program. That, that works for me. It's not going to work for you necessarily. Tweak your own. So he was one. Paul Check, Mark Verstegen, uh, Gary Gray. Uh, Gary Gray was probably one of my biggest influence on me in terms of do you know who you are? Uh, I had the opportunity to have dinner with Gary Gray. And prior to having dinner with him, he I, I emailed a question to him, never thinking we'd ever get answered. 18 days later to the date, I was on the 101 freeway and... I answered the phone illegally, sorry, and uh, it was Gary Gray, and I pulled over on the side of the freeway, and I said, do you know who you are? Why are you calling me? And he said, I know who I am. Do you know who you are? And the reason I'm calling you is you emailed me a question, and I thought it'd be easier to answer the question over the phone versus email. Are you okay with that? And I said, uh-huh. And uh, I sat and talked with him for about 25 minutes on the side of the 101, 
He was amazing. Wow. And then I ended up having dinner with him uh, and sat across from him. Mind-blowing. The first time I ever was in that presence. Um, <clears throat> Neil Spruce, out here in town, was a very early mentor of mine. Um, taught me again everything about nutrition and, and supplementation and what I know and what I don't know. Off the top of my head, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. I know there's more, and I'm I'm probably missing some here and there, but those are the ones that I really like uh, my trainers to uh, check out their videos, check out their books, anything they've written, uh, any lecture that they're at. Uh, Todd Durkin is another one, high energy guy down in San Diego. Mike Boyle's coming to my now. They're starting to come out. Mike Boyle out of Boston. Perform Better is a, is a great place to go and, and check out. Uh, they do a one-day and a three-day learn-by-doing seminars, and you get the best of the best. You, I've always said it, you know, if they're not there, they're really not well-known. Uh, there's a lot of trainers out there that claim to be number one in the world, number one trainer in the country, um, top three, whatever it is. And, and I go to these guys. Another one that's coming with Fraser Quelch from TRX. Yeah. Created TRX. I had a great conversation with Fraser for 45 minutes on the phone. The professor. Um, yeah. <clears throat> he's the one that created, he is the one that created That's the Chris protocol. Frankel that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Fraser Quelch was the one that actually created the original programming for Randy Heitrich for TRX. And Fraser lives up in Canada and had a wonderful conversation with him as well. These are guys when I go and say, have you ever heard of this guy? This guy's claiming to be number one in the world number one trainer in the world, number three in the country, whatever it is. <clears throat> Never heard of him. We, we invite him to come up here on stage with us. We never heard of this person. These are the guys that when you go up to them and, and start asking questions that perform better or you get a chance to be as lucky as I have to have lunch with, they don't talk about themselves at all. They want to know your story. They want to know what makes you tick. Why are you at their seminar? Why would you choose them? what is it and that's going to make them a better person a better trainer so that's those are my mentors I got a lot of them definitely it's good to have those people in oh, your yeah. life absolutely make you a better person um, final question what's uh, the number one book that you recommend to trainers On Purpose Person The On Purpose Person is written by I have to find out exactly. First name is Kevin. It's a it's a short read. Is really nothing to do with the fitness industry, but it really gets you thinking of what your purpose in life is. And I've recommended to a number of trainers. I've recommended to just friends and family. And the the premise of the book is uh, a gentleman uh, is married, has kids, has the house, has the white picket fence has everything going for himself and he's miserable and he can't figure out why and he goes through these steps he meets somebody who introduced him to somebody who introduced him to somebody and it's uh, at the end of the book uh, again one of those books that I remember being in 24 hour fitness in Thousand Oaks on the Stairmaster uh, in the back corner finishing the book and just smiling uh, at the end of the book and it has absolutely changed my thought process so that'd be the one right on the on purpose person yep and when I can remember the title 
Uh, or not today. When I can remember the author, I will get it to you. All right, perfect. All right, Mike, I think that's a wrap, man. Thank you for coming back for round two. Absolutely. This always, was great. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, everyone, that is it for this episode of The Principles of Fitness. I just want to give Mike a special thanks for coming to the show again. You can always expect to hear some great things from a third-year vet in the industry. If you're a personal trainer or you know a personal trainer and you feel that they could benefit from some of the information on this podcast, then please share this episode with them. Thank you for listening today, everyone, and stay tuned in for the next episode of The Principles of Fitness. Oh, 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 oh